2020 has felt like quite the storm. Sometimes it feels like I'm with Jesus in that story in the Gospels, the one where they're in the boat together and they're going across Galilee, right? They're partway across the sea that one evening as they head to the other side, and it says that this storm comes upon them, a storm so violent that water is crashing in over the edge of the boat. These young men, these disciples with Jesus, grew up in fishing families. This was their life. They understood boats, water, waves. It didn't scare them. And yet they're terrified. Right? They believe they're about to drown. They believe that it's just about over. And they turn around. They're looking for their Savior fast asleep. Doesn't that kind of feel like this year? Like we're six months into this year, and it kind of feels like a violent storm It kind of feels like water is crashing in over the edges of our boat, our lives. And we're kind of looking around. Like, Jesus, we believe you're here. Are you asleep in the back of the boat? Like, where are you? The country's falling apart. The world's falling apart. Like, people are dying and we're trapped at home and we're scared and we're we're looking for him. Because he says he's always with us. And we, we thought he was in the boat with us. And now it seems like we're going down. Maybe all of this is for us. Like when you read that story to the very end, not only does Jesus stand up and rebuke the storm, but then he says to them, where's your faith? That moment. Jesus knew that moment was coming. Right? He wasn't blind to the fact they were sailing into a storm. He can see tomorrow, so sure he could see that moment in just a few hours. He goes to sleep knowing that when they wake him up, their weak faith is going to be on display. What if Jesus took them into that storm so that they could grow in their faith and come to know who he is? Right after he rebukes the storm and it all calms down and everything goes completely still, The disciples say, who is this? Who is he? Like creation bends to his very word. Who is this guy? You see, to glorify God and make him known, you have to know God and you have to have faith in God to do that. And we claim as a church to be a church that glorifies God and makes him known, right? To love God and then to love others. It's almost like the mission of our church is the mission of God placed in the Bible, the commandment, the greatest one. Love God and love other people. Glorify God and make him known. And that's a good thing to claim. It's it's a catchy phrase, but is it simply just words on a bulletin that we read each week to see whose birthday it is? You see, to glorify God and make him known, I believe that God has to take us through storms so that one day our eyes will be opened, not only to his incredible power, but his identity. Who is this Jesus? And can I put my faith in him? What's he capable of? See, Peter may have been the son of a fisherman, scared of death that day on the water. But Peter, after being filled by the Holy Spirit, becomes a church-planting missionary. And Peter says this. When he wrote his letter to the churches in Asia Minor, in the Galatian region, 
and they're being persecuted by Rome. Caesar is killing them. These Christians are dying. Their boats are being swamped with the proverbial water. They're going down, and the churches are suffering. And Peter knows that feeling. He was there in the boat that day. He writes to the churches in 1 Peter and says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to have to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, it may be proven genuine. It may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus is revealed. Right? And his churches are hearing this letter, and Peter's writing this to encourage them. You may have to go through trials of many kinds, but know that it is to refine your faith that's worth more than gold. And that's going to bring honor and glory and praise to Jesus when he comes back. To know who he is, to live for him, sometimes you have to be in the boat. You have to be so desperately reliant on him that if he doesn't come through, you go down. I wonder if my faith is like that. Has my faith become so easy, so safe, that if Jesus didn't come through for me, my life would be just fine? Right? All of a sudden, this corporate gathering is stripped away from us. All of a sudden, you don't have a professional paid Christian right in front of you, maybe to teach you or to lead you in prayer or to sing with you. Now you're at home with you and your Bible, your family, and you're trying to sort out, how do I lead them towards Jesus? How do I lead myself closer to Jesus? Do I turn on a YouTube video and then watch the professional Christian try to lead me closer to Jesus? Or do I have the faith and the knowledge to pursue him myself? Do I know who he is? You may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Which Peter are you? The Peter in the boat, afraid you're going to go down, selfishly worried only about yourself, or fearless Peter, the church planter, the missionary, the apostle, confident that every trial that comes our way is a chance for our faith to be refined. See, today we're preaching out of Psalm 76. And you might be saying, Darren, this is a weird introduction to a psalm in the middle of the Old Testament. You're talking about Peter in a boat. Well, what's neat about Psalm 76 is that it's a praise and worship song. It's actually written to stringed instruments, the Bible says. So it was a song that they could sing corporately in worship as somebody plucked on the harp strings. At least I think that's how you pluck on harp strings. I think that's the way. And they would sing this as a people group, as a nation, worshiping Yahweh. They would sing Psalm 76. And as, as we look at it, I'm wondering if people wrote a song about the church in 2020, what would the lyrics be? 
Like, what do you think? Looking back on this year and how the church has weathered through this, how God has come through for us through this, what do you think the hook would be? What do you think the chorus would sound like? God was nowhere to be seen, and the church was at home, and we were mad about lots of issues in this world. (laughs) So we complained about it to our friends and stopped watching YouTube videos because they got boring. And we'd all be singing praise and worship here in the church. We'd be singing that song, trying to remember that incredible year, 2020. I want to take you back to a story in the Old Testament where a 25-year-old guy full of faith led his people through a pandemic of their own. He was 25 when he became the king of God's people. At that time, the nation was split into two. There was Israel in the north, and there was Judah in the south. Because if you remember, the sons of Solomon had broken God's kingdom. His father had been king before him, and he was the worst king that Israel, now Judah, had ever had. He built Asherah poles. He led people in pagan worship. He involved himself in child sacrifice. He was drawing people away from worship in the temple. You see, this king would fight with God's holy prophet, the one who heard the words of God and brought it to the people. The prophet's name was Isaiah, and the king's name was Ahaz. And at 25 years old, his little boy becomes the king of Israel. His name was Hezekiah. Hezekiah, it says in 2 Kings 18, did what was right in the eyes of Yahweh just as his father, King David, had done. He removed the high places, he smashed the sacred stones, he cut down the Asherah poles, he broke into pieces the bronze snake of Moses that people had been worshipping. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, and there was no one like him. There was no one like him among the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to Yahweh. He did not cease to follow him. He kept the commands that God had given to Moses. And the Lord was with him. King Hezekiah, young, on fire, full of hope, leading a nation back to God. Determined to change the world. We're going to find God's law. We're going to live it out. We're going to draw people back into right relationship with him, right worship with him. We're coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's not about any of those other things. But he goes through his own pandemic. Because it's easy to lead the church in a time of peace. It's easy to be a Christian when you can come here and sit in these seats and sing the songs or at least pretend to sing the songs and listen to Nick or listen to myself, read the Bible to you and to pray with you, that's easy. What's hard is when the world falls apart and now you're responsible for having faith in God and he might not come through. You see, in the third year, now in the fourth year of Hezekiah being the king, Assyria comes and Assyria attacks Israel in the north. 
right? The king comes there and destroys the fortified cities one by one and exiles God's people in northern Israel off to Assyria. Hezekiah is the king in the south, down in Judah, and I'm sure he's watching this. What am I going to do if Assyria comes down here? Well, for him, he's fortunate that their army goes back to Assyria and doesn't come down into Judah. Hezekiah has weathered this storm. But if you keep going in the story, it says that 14 years later, the worst case scenario takes place. Sennacherib the king, now of Assyria, leads his mighty army down from the north into Judah. One by one by one, goes through the fortified cities, goes down the Mediterranean coast, goes down the Gaza Strip and comes up from the south. Every city in Judah falls, save one, Jerusalem. Salem, the city of peace, the city of God, the city of righteousness. And Sennacherib's mighty army now is placed outside of the city to the south. And there's officers sent from the the army within the people there and sent right to the wall. And it says that they start to speak to the people of Jerusalem. They're speaking in a language they can understand. And these officers start to say things like, Are you really going to believe in the God of your ancestors? Where was your God when we attacked the other fortified cities? Where was your God when we attacked them? What about northern Israel when we were up there? Like, Yahweh's their God too, is he not? Like, where was he when we went through there? Knocked them all down one by one by one, and the cities fell. There was no God there protecting them. What about the other nations? We just came through a multiple layer of nation upon nation to get to you. No God there saved any of them. And Hezekiah has convinced you that Yahweh is still here. Really? Surrender now or we'll bring your city to destruction. Now's your chance. Don't believe his lies. God is not going to come through. You can pray all you want. Hezekiah hears this. He sends word to God's prophet, Isaiah. He says, pray for us. Pray for us. We need God's help. Isaiah does, and he sends word back to the king. God has spoken. Yahweh is coming. He's going to come through. Hezekiah goes to the temple, and it says that he throws himself before Yahweh. He lays himself down. And the king of God's remnant, the king of God's last people, undefeated, prays this. O Lord, God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over the kingdoms of the earth. You've made heaven, you've made earth, so give ear. O Lord, and hear. Would you open your eyes, O Lord, and see? Listen to the words Sennacherib has sent to insult the living God. It's true. It's true, Yahweh, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste these nations and their lands. They've thrown their gods into fire. They've destroyed them. For they were not gods. They were only wood. They were only stone. They were fashioned by men's hands. Here's the end of his prayer. Now, O Lord our God, deliver us from his hand so that all kingdoms on earth may know that you alone O Lord, our God.
that all kingdoms on earth may know that you alone are God. That's his prayer. Not please deliver our city because we've been so good to you, we've been so faithful that we deserve this. We've been worshiping you now for 14 years. Our kids have worshiped you. We've brought them through Sunday school, like they sing in front of the church sometimes, like we're faithful givers. So just God, come through for us. This is what we want. We want safety and security and wealth, and we just want to prosper. We want a blessing. And we've been faithful, God, to you. So God, just be faithful to us. It's not what he says. He says, God, would you come through for us so that the whole world would know who you are? Would you show up in this situation right now so that the whole world, every kingdom on earth, would fear you, come know you, God, I want to glorify you. I want to make you known around this world. That's his prayer. That's the prayer of the king. That very night, the angel of the Lord went out. And the angel put to death 185,000 men in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. Sennacherib the king broke camp and went back to Assyria. He later died there, never returned to Israel. 185,000 men were silenced, not defeated in a vast battle, not in the heat of the fight, not with dramatic lightning and thunder, not with an earthquake. They're silenced in the middle of the night. Believe that. Believe that, that in the middle of the night, this incredible storm that's raging all around God's people, that's about to come over the walls, that's about to swarm their city and be certain death, that storm God rebukes. Peace, be still, and 185,000 men Go still and never raise a hand again. God calmed their storm. God calmed their storm. Hezekiah the king is 40 years old. God's been with him his entire life. And his prayer is that God would be glorified and that God would be made known. And God does. If you read in Chronicles, that's the history of God's people. It says in 2 Chronicles, see if I can find it there. It says that people, kings from other nations, started coming to Israel with gifts. And why were these kings from other nations coming with gifts? They were coming to worship Yahweh. Because after they heard what happened... They started to fear the God of Israel to the point where they are traveling from their country to worship him. God was made known in other nations through this battle. And they show up. Hezekiah the king is watching 
as these foreign leaders show up and they're bringing tribute to the God of Israel. Why? Not because of Hezekiah's great power, not because of Hezekiah's army, not even because Hezekiah was an incredible man of God. Because Yahweh showed up in the storm and made himself known. Psalm 76, this worship song, was written so that they would never forget what happened. And I want to encourage you later to take time and read through it. It says in it that God's name became famous in Israel and Judah because God dwells in the city of Jerusalem. God silences the warrior. He breaks the arrow and the shield. He makes the land go quiet. It says that neighboring lands will bring gifts to the one who is to be feared. He is feared by the kings of the earth. They wrote that down so that they would never forget. So that they could continue to worship God by singing this. Their God whose name became famous. Their God who was so worthy of tribute that foreign leaders showed up to pay their respects. The God that silences fear. The God that makes it go still. Both horse and chariot lie still. The land goes quiet. The Lord rebuked that army. They go completely still. And then later Yahweh, the God of his people, shows up on the lake, the Sea of Galilee, and does it again. Through the power of his word, he stills creation. Goes completely still. And it says in Revelation that when he shows up, the armies of this world will come against him. And yet by the power of the word that he speaks, everything will be laid still. He's going to defeat everyone with his word. That's how powerful he is. So if people were to write a worship song about us and about this situation that we're in, what would they write about? Would they see us, would they write about us being Peter in the boat, looking for God? Jesus, where are you? COVID's all around us. Our prime minister's put us in incredible debt. People say I need to wear a mask, but I don't even know if I'm supposed to. Jesus, where are you? Are you here? My kids might not be able to go to school. My job's in question. God, where are you? Or are you, Peter, the church planting apostle? The one that says these trials are a refinement of our faith to bring praise and glory and honor to the king. So persevere. You're a holy people. You're a nation of priests. You're a child of God. Don't be afraid. He's with you. As I was 
praying through this sermon this week, my mind went back to Second Chronicles chapter 7. It went back to that famous verse I've read so many times. God calling his people to prayer. Why? Because I believe that if God is really to be glorified, if, if my mission is to glorify him and to make him known, I need to stop praying for myself. I need to take the attention off of me. God, would you just fix everything so life would be better for me? Would you allow things to go back to the way they were so that I could be comfortable again? Would you allow me to go back to my worship gathering? That way someone else can be the paid Christian and do the Bible reading for me so I wouldn't have to? And if that's my prayer, do you think God's going to show up in that prayer? Do you think that's what he wants? Do you think he wants us going back into a life that was so easy that there was no need to depend on his Holy Spirit? Because we were fine without him. If I'm to glorify God and make him known, these are the words of Yahweh. He said this to King Solomon after Solomon had finished building the temple the place where they would meet with God for corporate worship. And he said, now that you've built this temple, Solomon, if my people who are called by my name, if my people will humble themselves, if they'll pray, Solomon, if they'll seek my face, if they'll turn from their wicked ways, I will hear I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin. I'll heal their land. My eyes will be open. My ears will be attentive to the prayers offered in this place. If my people will humble themselves and pray. But not praying focused on ourselves. praying that he would be glorified, that he would be made known. Because just like Hezekiah in the temple before the Lord, that day as Sennacherib's army stood outside the walls, he prayed, God, would you be made famous? Would you be feared around the earth for the thing that you're going to do in this place? So I want to lead us as we close right now in a prayer. And here's my encouragement to you. That as I finish praying, I want you to keep praying. Yeah, I'm speaking to you right now that you would keep praying for a few minutes after this service is done. And yes, that might mean that if you're playing this out loud in the background as you make lunch, you might need to pause that for a few minutes. You might need to stop making lunch for a few minutes and just pray. And if you and your family are multitasking on something else, if the TV's playing in the background, I don't know, if you're watching a movie and listening to this on your headphones, maybe just pause that for a minute. Like, what if we as a church actually committed for the next five minutes to seek God's face, to seek him in humility, not to make our lives great and perfect and comfortable again, but that he would become famous in Canada and in the United States and around the world for what he's about to do. All for him, not for us.
that if he allows us to gather back and worship in this place, that he would be glorified. And if we're not allowed to come back and worship in this place, that he would still be glorified. That if he takes COVID away tomorrow, he would be made famous. And if he leaves it here for the next year, that he would be made famous in this world. But it's going to require humility. So I'm going to pray. Join me if you want. Let's seek the face of God. Heavenly Father, Father, forgive me. Forgive me for the moments when I prayed for me, when I prayed selfishly that you would fix this situation for me. Forgive me, Father, for the moments when I got mad that you didn't show up. Forgive me, Father, for how selfish I am and that I cry out to you for help and yet I still fall back into sin, that I still have this split love in my heart for you and for the things that dishonor you. Father, forgive me for doubting you when you don't show up. Father, forgive me for my mixed motives. Lord, forgive me for my judgmental spirit, for how cruel and how mean my thoughts can be sometimes towards people that don't agree with me. Father, forgive me for the times I've said things that have caused division and have not brought unity to your church. Forgive me for the times when I have not shown love to other people. When I've thought things, said things that didn't bring honor and glory to you. And Father, my prayer right now is that you would be made glorified. You would be made famous, Lord. Your name would go across this country. And if that means, Lord, that things go back to normal, if that means, Lord, that they never do, I want our prime minister to know you. I want our country to know you. I want other countries to know you. Lord, I want the protests to point people to you. I want the unrest to point people to you. Lord, I want, I want COVID to point people to you. Lord, I don't know how. I don't know how. There's, there's so much going on. And it feels like the city is just surrounded right now. It feels like anything could happen and it's completely out of our control. I'm standing in an empty room because the church can't even gather without barriers and restrictions, Lord. We can't even be together right now. But I know that you're here. Father, make yourself known around this world. Would this be the year that all people on earth heard the name of Yahweh and trusted in him? Father, forgive us for the times that we get in the way of that mission. And right now, Lord, as your church continues to pray for the next few minutes, 
Father, I just pray that you would hear the humility in their hearts, hear the brokenness, as we apologize for the times that we made this all about us, when it's supposed to be all about you. Lord, when, when the people years from now look back on this year, when they look back on us and on you, Lord, my prayer is that they would see a God being glorified and that we would just get out of the way. It's all about you, Jesus. We love you and we trust you. This is the prayer of your church. Lord, hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.